they're sort of tapping into that sort of speculator nature and you're seeing people do crazy stuff because they think they can recreate the highs of sort of 18 months ago and uh, walk off with a quick profit. So you're seeing sort of short-term pumps of these coins. Like, I, I don't think any of these assets have long-term value. It's really just, you know, do you want to gamble in the casino that is uh, the blockchain? Hello, and welcome to the 68th episode of The Forecast, the NFT podcast. I'm your host for today's show, Corwin, community lead at Floor, as Pet is out this week, and I'm followed by special guest, Chris K. How are you doing today, Chris? Hey, I'm good. Am I a special guest now? What, what makes me so special this week? You've always been special, Chris K. Oh, thank you. That's what everyone always says to me. Problem. I'm I'm actually really enjoying this this weather. It's a nice, cool weather this past week. Not much rain. There's a big thunderstorm Saturday, but besides that, it's been what back in the fifties, low low sixties. Yeah, it was like ridiculously hot for NFT NYC. Like there, it was like thirty three degrees, um, maybe even a bit higher. Um, but yeah, it's dropped significantly. It's really good sort of New York sort of hammock, uh, sort of sidewalk cafe sort of weather. Um, so hopefully this will last. All right. Well, going into our first topic of today, which actually goes with what's going on the floor, um, Soul NFTs are taking over ETH volume. Have you seen this? The top two Soul collections be out in 24 hour volume, pretty much took over the NFT volume. And they're higher than like the ETH volume NFT for those collections specifically. Interesting to see. And now with Floor adding Solana support, perfect timing. Yeah, I'm curious your thoughts on this. But I'm not sure how surprised I am here. Like if you look at the ETH collections that are sort of usually around the top 10, you know, you've got Bored Apes, Mutant Apes, Suzuki, and um, other ones. Like right now, is much actually happening on those collections? Like with the price of ETH um, sort of in the gutter still to a large extent, like I feel like you're not seeing as much volume there. And then, you know, now you have big prominent launches on Solana. Um, they're taking the mind share, at least for the time being. I mean, what's your take on these collections that are sort of like really beating Bored Apes and others in terms of volume? You've got Mad Labs, uh, Mad Labs, Mad Lads. Um, you've got Uji, like, what are these collections about? And do yeah. they have the staying power to sort of really sort of, um, stay top of the charts long term? Yeah. I think Mad Lads raised quite a bit of capital. They're from, uh, Backpack, which is this, uh, I think it's like a phantom competitor. They're like a wallet. Backpack X, I think is the name of it. So they were the ones that actually launched this collection. And it just seems like there's so much hype in the Solana ecosystem. And I'm kind of experiencing this firsthand from ETH collections right now is like gas prices are way too high. Like I tried to sell an NFT today and it's $50 of gas when I'm selling it for 200. I'm like, why am I doing this? I'm like losing money. So it's like, why not just go to Solana where gas prices are not there, you know, and the hype's there. Yeah, the gas prices recently have been surprising me. I know there's been sort of a lot of meme coin stuff going on and that's been driving it up. But still, I did the Moonbirds diamond exhibition thing and I did another claim 
the other day and like for each of those I was paying like 25 bucks in gas which I've not had to do that for like probably about a year at this point so it, it was a really shocking like it, obviously it does sort of highlight one of the sort of big flaws or sort of big challenges with any project on ETH which is just you don't really have control over your gas and you know what someone else is doing on chain could be sort of really driving it up for your community. Now, you still have those issues on Polygon, on Solana, and like the L2s, but of course, you know, the gas is just so cheap on those networks, you don't really notice it. And, you know, optimization becomes less of um, an important sort of factor as you're sort of planning your mint and sort of um, launching your project. Yeah, it definitely seems like these meme coins have been driving up the price on ETH insanely. I was like overheard yesterday. Someone's like, oh, I sent ETH to a random contract and, or to some random person or a random contract. And next thing you know, I have all this money in this token. And I'm like, what is going on, CK? Why are people sending ETH to random contracts? And how are these meme coins just coming out of nowhere and pumping? I saw yesterday too on Twitter, I think Zach XBT did a thread on this. Someone created a meme coin, got 50 ETH sent to the random contract, rugged it. They were able to find out who it was because he sent it to a wallet that he was associated with. They found his Instagram, doxed him, and then apparently he sent all the money back to everyone after that. The token, I think, was called like math or something. But what's your take on all these meme tokens and where are they coming from? Like, why is this coming out of nowhere? Why is this causing gas to be so high? Aren't 1155s more optimized than 721s? Or is it because there's so much more volume coming through the network? It's just clogging it up. I think so. All of the meme tokens, they tend to be the ERC-20s. Um, that's just another type of token, like a 721, like an 1155. I don't necessarily think the sort of optimization sort of challenges with those contracts. Um, though I haven't reviewed any of the sort of newer coins out there. I think it's just more they're sort of tapping into that sort of speculator nature and you're seeing people do crazy stuff because they think they can recreate the highs of sort of 18 months ago and uh, walk off with a quick profit. So you're seeing sort of short-term pumps of these coins. Like, I, I don't think any of these assets have long-term value. It's really just, you know, do you want to gamble in the casino that is uh, the blockchain? Definitely, definitely interesting to see. I hope gas prices go back down because it's just, it's crazy. But also, like, going back to Solano, which we were just talking about right before this, like, have you seen the Soul Phone, Chris K? Like, a lot of hype around it. They're sold out. I'm trying to get one. We're really trying to get one. Um... I think it's cool because they're doing a lot of exclusive things on the soul phone. So it's like, for example, Clanosaurs, which is like this big Solana collection. They're doing a lot list only for people with the Saga phone. I think Magic Eden, I just seen something yesterday. They're doing like, they're giving 25 USDC to anyone who trades with like a soul phone connected or whatever it may be. It's a lot of cool things coming out within this ecosystem. Um, I know you may not be the biggest fan, but. I'm trying to get one. I'm trying my hardest to get one. Um, it looks like a lot of fun. Yeah. If, if anyone at Solana, uh, wants to send us a review copy, we'd, um, happily <laughs> sort of give you our feedback. I mean, I think looking at this, you know, great. They're doing some great launch things and they have partners. 
I don't think that's going to last in the long term. I think you'll get a few allow lists and then it's going to dry up. I look at this phone and I don't know, I just struggle to sort of understand who is the intended audience for this. Like, it's a typical Android phone. It's, you know, maybe not as good as some of the flagships um, like the Galaxy 23. I think it's sort of a generation behind in terms of chip. And it's sort of middle of the road when it comes to camera, when it comes to RAM, when it comes to display. You know, if I'm looking to get a phone and I'm told I can't get an iPhone, like this wouldn't even be on my radar in terms of, you know, which Android to get. I'd probably lean towards either the Google Pixels or the Samsung ones because I know those are sort of the industry leaders. And if I want to get the best phone for like my life in general, I'm going to get one of those. I'm curious how many they've made as well. Like, I don't see the shipping in volume, and that honestly is probably contributing more to why this is sold out than anything else. You've got a few sort of Solana fans who've sort of, um, you know, liquidated their gloom punks to get the money together for these things, and they've sort of pre-ordered, but I don't, you know, this isn't a case where you have lines around the block, people sleeping outside of the Solana store, um, <laughs> waiting to get this on launch day. From what I've seen, software-wise, it's running a modified Android. It's got some of the Solana, is it Solana network services stack? Basically, they securely sort of store your sort of Web3 wallet in their version of the secure enclave, basically a chip on the CPU, which um, you can't really hack into very easily. So you know your seed phrase, your private key is secure. But then, like, I was reading and it seemed like it just had bog standard Phantom and a few of the wallets installed on it. And you had maybe a home screen widget and sort of a few other pieces. It's not an integrated experience. It's not going to sort of lead to a massive adoption of Solana. You know, if you're serious about like getting into the payment space and you want to do it through a mobile device, you know, you want to be sort of taking cues with Apple Pay and really sort of integrating everything at a very basic level into your wallet app and going out from there versus, okay, well, here's a phone with a Solana logo on and we'll preload a few of the third-party apps and, you know, hopefully people will like it. You know, it's an interesting blip. I just don't see it going anywhere. I don't think it'll sell well. Whether it'll sell to Solana's expectations or not, who knows? But, you know, I think back to sort of the original point, like, who is buying this phone? Who is the sort of target customer? And they haven't done a good job, I think, of really communicating that at all. Yeah, I'm definitely interested to see how many units they sold if they ever release that. And yeah, you're right. Like, I mean, if I was going to Android, I would definitely choose like a Pixel, for example, like a top tier one. But I, I just like really want to test it, see like what the system looks like. I, I love testing new tech. And then also like, I'm just like curious, like what all the Solana dApps and things are that they're going to put on there, like the cool things um, that they're building off their SDK. But there aren't any dApps. Like that's the thing. Like it, it's a device built and sold on hope. You know, you've got it's, it's a standard Android experience. You have some apps pre-installed, and you know the promise of you know if Solana becomes a leading application platform, maybe you get some dApps out of it. Like. I don't think you should be buying that device on that promise at all. Like, I think you need to sort of see it materialize. And, you know, if you are getting a phone, you're hiring it to do a job and there's phones out there that will do 
a better job that have better specs and better software than this device. Obviously, you know, I haven't held one of these things. I haven't played with it. I'm going from like a lot of reporting in the Twitter sphere. But yeah, it just is a bit puzzling for me. And like, I, I think Solana have had a history of doing weird things that maybe don't sort of fully pan out. Like socks, shoes, stores, like great. They're sort of making waves and sort of trying to sort of build up their brand. But, you know, they've shut down their store in New York City. Rest in peace. You know, your socks, Corwin, have holes in them. Um, okay, but like my soulmate socks, come on. You know that they're they're great. They're great. So soulmate on it. S-O-L, me. <laughs> yeah. I- I'll stick with my owl socks. Thank you. Um, <laughs> oh, man. That's actually the perfect segue, Chris K, into our next topic. Tell me about Moonbirds, Talons, Diamond Nest. What's going on here? I saw Proof announced, when was it, last week or the week before, that they're coming out with a Talon token. Apparently, this is kind of like a reward system. I'm definitely intrigued. Yeah, so let's talk about Diamond um, before we go into the Talons. Awesome. Moonbirds is a year old. So if you were a day one nester, you will have by now achieved your Diamond nest. And you'll have been airdropped a mint pass for the Diamond exhibition. So they've got a handful of artists together, including people like Beeple, and then some less well-known folks. And they're letting um, Moonbirds holders, starting with the Diamond Nesters, claim a piece of artwork. And the way that you do this is you burn your mint pass and you sort of stack rank the ones that uh, the art and the artists, and then they decide which one you get and you get it airdropped, I think, this Friday. Now, I'm pretty sure everyone who is sort of sane is choosing Beeple as their number one, so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But it's an interesting mix of sort of additions of, um, I think, mainly a hundred. And then you have a few generative art pieces um, on top of that as well. I think in total there's 12 or 16 different artists. So nice little reward for the Moonbirds community. I think it also sort of plays into what was said in the town hall a few weeks ago, where, you know, their goal is for Moonbirds to be the art collector's PFP. So obviously this sort of event with a heavy focus on art makes a lot of sense for them. So that's Diamond Exhibition. There's also some stuff going on where you have, is it Relics? No, not Relics. They airdropped some weird egg things that you could claim um, and then they hatch and you can customize them or something. And that's the next sort of step of (laughs) the Moonbirds. Can you tell me how the drop works? For example, like there's only like a limited amount of people, your diamond hold, your diamond nest. Do you get, since you get priority, what's that ranking look like? Is it just a drawing of, cause like, let's say there's only a hundred beeples, right? Like yeah. there's more than a hundred diamond nests. Yeah. So good question. So first of all, all diamond nest has got a mint pass. That means that you have, I think, three days to do your stack ranking before anyone else um, is allowed to do it. And obviously you're only allowed to um, do it once you achieve your diamond nest. So if you've not nested, if you've only partially nested, you need to wait until you've hit your diamond mark until you're able to do any of this. 
And I assume this is going to be sort of somewhat similar to like rank choice voting system and like politics and sort of stuff like that. But yeah, they have you do your choices. And then I assume if you have like, you know, 10,000 people who want a Beeple, they're just going to sort of find the people who put Beeple as their first choice, randomly pick it out and do a drawing that way. So there is sort of a chance element. I don't think the order that you sort of, or how quickly you make your choices plays into any of this at all. You know, I think it's a fair way to do it. Um, I think there's some sort of quality differences in some of the artists, or at least, you know, there's a, a handful that either d- didn't see to my jazz, so it's just like, well, you've got on one end the Beeple that is probably going to be worth quite a bit, and then you've got some of the other pieces that uh, I wouldn't take even if you paid me. So <laughs> I, I think it's a, an interesting range, but um, it was interesting just looking at the art, going through the artist's bios and really sort of um, getting to know what they're about. I think a big thing for me, uh, I think I was sort of thinking about is like, if I'm in it purely for like, oh, well, I could sell this, then am I better off picking one of the additions that I may or may not get? or is generative the way to go? At the end of the day, I think I picked mostly editions except for one or two generative that I really liked. And then sort of it's like ranked based on, oh, well, I'll be quite happy if I get this one versus the sort of uglier ones that was at the bottom of my pile. Yes, Godspeed to you. I'm wishing you luck on getting a Beeple. Hopefully that has the best ROI on these. And then what were the things you said got airdropped? I, I heard about that as well, like eggs or something? Or Yeah, so eggs. Oh, mythics, that's mythics. it. So, oh, mythic eggs, got it. So you have a mythic egg. This is going to hatch, I think, sometime in June. And like there's three tiers of eggs. The tiers basically map to how many choices you have when that egg hatches. So like the best ones, I think you have three choices as to which ones you get. And they're also doing an event um, later in the year where you can burn your oddities for mythics as well. I don't know if I'm going to do that. I'm still sort of confused as to where these things fit in the whole proof ecosystem. I will say the announcement videos um, they've been doing have been like really high production quality. They have like cartoon owls and stuff like that. Like I think I've heard that mythics aren't CCO either, so... Uh, I assume I own everything, Cohen. Um, <laughs> I, I pay no attention to the small print. You pay no attention to the purchase agreement. Yeah, purchase agreement, small print, um, rules of society, um, common decency, bah. Yeah, so that's uh, Mythics. And then the other thing to talk about is Talons, which is the proof or Moonbird's sort of reward um, mechanism. It seems like every Web3 project right now is sort of going rewards heavy. And I think it's partly because, you know, they want to sort of try and incentivize the community to do certain things like show up, follow them on Twitter, retweet, engage. And I think part is sort of trying to deliver value back to the holders in some form that may or may not um, stay on the good side of the SEC. This is going to be initially an off-chain reward system. So none of this is going to be tracked on the blockchain from what I was gathering. And it's going to be very much sort of focused at sort of actions taken within the Moonbird proof ecosystem. I, I think that's a sensible way to do it. I think it's the only way you really can do it and stay on the good side of the SEC right now. You know, I, I really hope there's more guidance there, but I think, you know, recent sort of rulings um, are sort of really sort of making people double think about sort of tokens and whether they actually want to launch them. 
So I think sort of these sort of reward plays are a good sort of intermediate step that there's much less legal risk around. Yeah, what type of rewards do you think you're going to be able to do with talents? Do you think it's going to be merch based? Is it going to be? Are they creating a game? Is this going to be like? Do you have any ideas on what you think this might be? Um, I think they said something about it being within the um ecosystem. So I think this is going to be exclusively, you know, you're claiming art, you're claiming airdrops, you're getting into events um, and stuff like that. There might be merch as well. I think it'll be sort of Moonbird specific. Did you happen to stop by the proof loans during NFT NYC? I did not, no. I didn't have a chance to either. I know some people, I, I believe a couple of people from the office ended up going. I had a conflicting event, uh, but I was curious how the vibes were, what it was like. Um, I went to their one at Arc Basel and I, it, it was great. It was really cool. Tons of people there. Um, so I was curious how it was, but you did not. No, I, I mean, Proof is one of those communities I, I haven't really engaged with that much. Like mm. occasionally I might go to an event, but um, it's not one of like the top projects I'm following. I think a lot of that has just been because like it's not really clear what they're doing. And, you know, I think they're sort of making some progress there and sort of thinking about the vision and sort of what's going on. But no, it's not really been one I've sort of really dedicated to following. Awesome. Well, moving on, we will go into a quick segment of what's new with four. For anyone who hasn't seen, we have recently announced that we are going to be adding Solana, which we also talked about a little bit at the beginning of the show. So you could join the waitlist by going to for nfts.io website and there's a big button at the top that says Solana. If you are for Genesis token holder, you can go to our Discord and inside the Discord is a special link for you as we will be allowing you in first as a Genesis token holder later this week uh, to start testing out. I'm really excited for this. It's one of the biggest changes that we're having. I know CK, you're working on a top secret project. I don't, is it top secret? Which Have one? we announced it? The one that you were in the office for yesterday? Um, I don't think it's been announced yet, but, you know, I think, you know, <laughs> you can sort of put two and two together and sort of see what Floor has been launching recently, especially sort of around usernames and accounts and sort of extrapolate where that could be going. All I can say is, you know, I'm excited for some of the things that we'll be sort of um, building here. Yeah, I'm excited as well. For people who don't know, CK has a company called madewithmason.com, correct? That is correct. Honestly, one of the best builders in the entire space works extremely efficiently. Uh, <laughs> I appreciate it. I'm, I'm so excited to see everything that you're built for too alongside. All right. Moving on. Nexon slash Maple Story. Nexon is joining the NFT space, which is crazy to see. They dropped this 22 minute keynote where one of the, I think it's one of the executives over there at Nexon, maybe the CEO. I have not had time to watch the entire video, but I watched some highlights of it. And it's definitely insane to see their vision. So MapleStory has been around for what? Like, oh, they're coming up on their 20-year anniversary now. It was a big part of my childhood. It's surprising to see how many people still play their Korean version. They have released numbers recently, and they've actually grown in the past year, which is like insane to see their numbers for such an old-school game. And they also dropped a bunch of Medium articles, which we'll link in the show notes. One of their highlights here that they talked about in the video was like, hey, the cool thing about blockchain technology, like if Nexon goes away in the net, like let's say Nexon were to die as a company in the next decade or MapleStory were to die in the next five years, 
people still have the SDK and they're going to be able to work with the NFTs and blockchain technology, which I thought was an interesting take because a lot of people have been talking about this for a while, but no company has really been like, hey, this is why we're doing it. A lot of companies have been like, oh, it's for money. They're here like, hey, like we believe in the technology. It's great to see that if we go away, people are still going to be able to work alongside their NFTs that they have here. So it's really cool to see them like pushing the envelope forward here. I know a bunch of other game publishers have been trying to get into the space as well. But this is one of Korea's biggest game publishers. So I'm really excited to see this. And they also go into like a lot of like blockchain utility and rewards based things like, hey, we want to make sure that you're rewarded for playing our games, etc. I'm curious your take on this, Chris K. I, I have never heard of um, Mapleverse or whoever the, sure, these yeah. people are. Um, definitely yeah. didn't grow up playing uh, these games. Um, yeah. I don't think it was around on the Spectrum plus three and sort of those sort of computers. I also have some thoughts around the editing of the video. I'm not sure why they're so obsessed with the guy looking totally away from the camera and then just moving sort of to different camera angles. <laughs> and he's like in a lecture hall too. An empty lecture hall. And like some of the angles, like he's like at the very edge of the screen looking off like a blank space next to him. It's like this um, makes no sense, but... It kind of like an old school keynote though. I kind of, I kind of dig the vibes. Eh, it could have been an email. But <laughs> I will say, you know, going through their keynote... It does seem like they have a bit more of a plan and a bit more of a vision than a lot of Web3 projects. You know, they've obviously sort of thought about this. They've thought about sort of the challenges of preserving the value of the NFT. They've thought about sort of, you know, what makes this different to sort of in-app purchases? Where does this fit with their physical games? It's refreshing to at least sort of see a team in this space, sort of really go into a bit bit of detail and transparency around what they're thinking and, you know, what their sort of ultimate vision is. So, you know, be interesting to see, you know, I don't think this will get me into the Mapleverse and start uh, playing their games, but um, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited just to see another company on board. Uh, speaking of big companies on board in Warp 3, leaving the gaming sphere... Chris K, I have been, I just bought the last Starbucks NFT drop. It was like a hundred bucks. Gave me like 1200 points. They're changing their whole structure now, actually. They have like a new, um, a new structure. So if you're like in the top tier, you can get free Starbucks drinks for 30 days straight. Does that add up to the amount I spent on their NFTs? I don't know. I got to calculate that, but it's really cool to see, uh, form three, which is the people behind, um, there are the folks behind the Starbucks universe thing, whatever, coming together uh, and coming up with cooler ideas. It's still very disjointed for me. I got an email saying, quick, 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 you need to go in and make your elections. I click in to go to the website and it says I can't do this because I didn't unlock something. It's like, why Why did you email me? Why, yeah, don't you, why like, did they personalize email you and you know, be a bit smart about this? There's still so many things uh, around this that just feel a bit odd. Like, I think, first of all, like from just a, a technology and user experience perspective, you know, I think there's a lot of jankiness. Um, you know, you have misaligned icons, you have things that don't work. When you try and mint things, you get like randomly redirected to helloworld.com or you have mm -hmm. to go through like three layers of auth, whether it's like the Odyssey login, whether it's your Starbucks account 
or your nifty gateway account just to do something. Yeah. It, it just feels a bit strange. And like, I think, you know, not being part of the mobile app and like being on the side of the Star Wars ecosystem, mm-hmm. Star Wars, Starbucks, whatever, um, being on the side of that ecosystem, I just don't have confidence that it actually works or anything. I was very confused going through the initial steps since like, it's saying, oh, go to the store and purchase this thing. And like, I just didn't feel confident if I went in and got a vanilla strawberry latte, that I would recognize that purchase and it would apply to whatever I was earning. I get the confidence thing. It, it, so it, since it's connected through like some sort of SSO or whatever, like it does work. I've, I've tested it. However, you're absolutely right. They need to bring this product into the app if they want any sort of adoption. Even if it's like hidden on like the bottom of like the setting screen where they don't want to like to be like publicly known because it kind of seems like they just want to play it safe and they don't want it to be in their app right now. Well, so once I'm really sort of curious your thoughts on like if they just wholesale brought this into the app, where would it sit with their existing stars point system? Like it seems like it's one or the other, right? Otherwise, you're just trying to run two loyalty programs and confusing people even further. Yeah, I think you're right. Cause there, then you got the two loyalty programs confusion, which I actually didn't even think about that. I think the only way it would be able to fit into their program is if it was its own loyalty program altogether or like it combined into the original loyalty program, right? So like the, the existing stars I have in their app, I'd be able to mint with. Or I'd be able to use to get like a stamp or whatever. Mm-hmm. Cause now I'm like looking at this right now and you know how I get to choose one of the three things. These are the three things I get to choose from. Cause I didn't get the highest rank. I get a virtual coffee class. Yay me. I would love to learn about how Starbucks makes their coffee. I get a Starbucks coffee passport. I get my own tasting guide to Starbucks coffee. Cool. Or I guess, or I could choose from help provide 50 mils to neighbors facing her. Like, Am I an asshole if I don't pick the donation one? I mean, honestly, that would be the only one from that level one that I, I'd be interested in. Like, I don't need a coffee class. The passport seems like something useless I'd never use. And like, you look at level two and you have, let's see, you can name a coffee tree. And I, I, I can just start giving names to trees um, on my walk in the morning. Um, you know, I'm just going to do that. And, you know, F you Starbucks, I've got a free tree. Is it like those things where you could like buy a planet and name it or buy a star and name it after you? I, I think so. Like adopting a donkey in a sanctuary somewhere. I think it's that. So let's see. Level two, you can virtually taste coffee. Wait, what? Oh, what, what is a virtual coffee tasting? Like, what? Is that just like pretending to drink the coffee? It's like, mmm, this drink, I, I think tastes good. Yum, yum, yum. Better than this? the other fake coffee. And then you get a Starbucks cold cup, which again, it's like, I don't know, people who buy Starbucks um, merch, like I think it's designed to appeal to a very particular set of people. And I don't think I'm one of those. If we jump ahead to level three, I can get a customized Murr with two eyes, 360 Traveler, which I, I assume is some sort of Yeti ripoff mug thing. It's like, again, I... I don't want to carry a Starbucks mug around with me all day. I get 30 days of free drinks. That's not bad. But like, how much like grinding and pig farming do you need to do to get there? <laughs> Grind, grinding, is that is that a pun on coffee or 
absolutely don't ruin it um and then like the final one starbucks reserve experience unlock an experience for you and a guest at one of our starbucks reserve stores i actually saw one of those um uh the other day next to chelsea market in the city yeah i think there's like two in the city here or something i think it's just sort of a a fancier starbucks where they uh, keep Mm -hmm. the homeless people out of the bathrooms in fact you know you want a unique experience um in a starbucks just go to one of the bathrooms in a sort of inner city area um it'll be great Oh, man. Okay. All right. Well, that concludes our weekly um, Starbucks segment since we, it seems to be a reoccurring theme on the show. Let's go into the next topic here. Our last topic for the day. Coinbase sues the SEC. Did you see this, CK? I guess the SEC is not really giving enough info on what a security is or not, and they're being extremely vague. And Coinbase has asked them originally multiple times. I think they're the court of law too. And they had like, I guess it's this thing called they have reasonable time to, to get back and they did not get back. So now they're suing them. I mean, I think this is sort of happening everywhere. Like the IRS is sort of another entity that doesn't seem to be too bothered with sort of providing timely guidance. Timely guidance. Yeah. On, um, the tax implications of crypto. So you have lots of people, lots of accountants just trying to work it out and doing wildly inconsistent things. It's like, oh, no, I I don't consider this a taxable purchase. I'm not going to put on my taxes. Um, You know, I I think this is needed. I think the federal government in general needs to be thinking a lot more about crypto. And that covers everything from, is it a currency? to um, the SEC level stuff where it's like, are these securities? And I I think like right now, everyone is sort of just dragging their feet, waiting for like another agency to sort of um, take a stand so they can just hop on board. No one wants to be the first to sort of say, yes, this is, or no, this isn't. So I can see that. And I can see from the Coinbase perspective why that must be immensely frustrating if you're sort of in this sort of limbo where, one day they could just rule a big chunk of your business model isn't legal and you have to make those adjustments. You know, they've gave the SEC some time. They've not provided a response um, within that reasonable time frame. So I- I'm not surprised by this. I-, I don't know what this is going to trigger on the SEC side, whether you'll sort of see sort of a knee-jerk sort of pullback um, and sort of a conservative approach or whether they're actually sort of thinking about this in more constructive terms. Yeah. And it, it's kind of crazy to see because a lot of these companies, I believe Gemini and Coinbase both said that they're willing to leave the US and go offshore. I think Gemini or Coinbase, one of the two just opened a business in Bermuda. Did you see that? I did. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's going to be interesting to see them leave the U.S. if that does happen, because like, how far behind does the U.S. want to be? I remember listening to one or two weeks ago, there were some Senate hearings happening. And I remember one of the people in charge was like, oh, yeah, I taught a class on crypto at a university. And they're like, "Okay, well, did you ever hold crypto? And he's like, no. And this is the person like making all the laws and everything. And they're like, so you've never held crypto. And he's like, 
no, they're like, but you taught a class at university on crypto. And he's like, yes. And I'm like, this is wild. This is wild what's happening. Um, and they're refusing to give guidance. So yeah, like, I think you, you've got a big problem in this country where the people making the laws, a lot of them just don't have all the faculties. Um, but they're not so tech literate. Like I remember the TikTok um, hearing as well, like a few weeks ago. All the senators seemed very sort of confused and sort of concerned that the app was using Wi-Fi. Um, <laughs> it's like, let, let me uh, pull TikTok. you aside and teach you how the internet works. I, I think it's always going to be a challenge. I, I think the sort of two things that I think would help. One would be just younger and sort of more savvy sort of senators. And then the other side is, and you know, a lot of these companies do this um, significantly anyway, it's just lobbying and sort of helping these sort of lawmakers understand the nuances of an industry. This is, yeah, I, I don't know. I just don't see this sort of solving um, itself anytime soon. That's the problem. I don't see necessarily the people sort of pro-crypto actually sort of um, really understanding what they're arguing for, just like I think the people arguing anti-crypto understand what they're arguing against. All right. Well, that concludes this episode of The Floorcast, the NFT podcast. You can find us on Twitter at The Floorcast. You can find me at 0xCorwin on Twitter, and you can find Chris K at... At Seekahonan on Twitter. Awesome please subscribe rate us five stars on any platform that you listen on none of what we said today is financial advice just great advice thank you again <laughs>